Welcome to Two for None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and across from me, over a computer screen, is the one and only Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, you've had a hell of a day, mate. You've had a big old day at the office. You've been renovating. You've been a hardworking man. You've been Jimmy Barnes out there. I have, Pat. I have been a working class man. You're a working class hero. (laughs) Well, thanks. Yeah. Working class hero is easy for some. How does that song go? I'm not sure. But that's John Lennon, right? <laughs> no, dude, it's Jimmy Barnes. No, Jimmy Barnes is a working, working class, class man, man. But I thought John mm. Lennon was a working class hero. That's correct. You're absolutely right. Oh, there you go. Uh, but yes, both of those things apply to me today, <laughs> uh, which is particularly good for me, given that I am an office worker. Mm. And really have no background in uh, manual labour whatsoever, but have been renovating my house, Pat, under the mm. tutelage of my father-in-law, Shane, who's very good with this sort of oh. thing. He's yeah. very good. I'm less good. <laughs> I try. Because you've got a range of other skills, you know, with so many other skills. talents. Oh, yeah. Range of yeah, other yeah, skills. Yeah. Anyway, I was left to my own devices today, uh, un- unsupervised, which was oh, boy. A-, a mistake. <laughs> because we're at painting stage, the heavy roller, mm. Pat, we're using the heavy roller. The heavy roller. The heavy roller's out, folks. Watch out. To use a cricket analogy. And I feel pretty confident with painting. Painting something that I can understand, I can manage. It's straight mm. lines. It's wet. Yeah. It dries. You just cover up some things so it doesn't spill on things. Got it. It's all good. Got it. Anyway, um, the thing about painting a house is that there are high parts. You know, there's high parts. There's the roof. Indeed. The ceiling. Yeah, it keeps going. And the high part of the wall, which just sits underneath the ceiling. I'm not sure if you're familiar Uh, with that. Yeah, the flashing there, Chris. The flashing. when you need to paint that part, you have to get up on a ladder. Mm. And I was up on the ladder. I completed the painting of the high part of the wall. And Mm. I (laughs) stepped down off the ladder, slipped... And put my foot into a tray of wet paint. White wet paint. <laughs> now, Chris, did the Benny Hill theme start before or after you slipped there, pal? Did it, did it begin? I think during. During, during. Yeah. It's hard to tell because I, I had what I would call the red mist happening. No, uh, no. So, that's all right. Look, um, I'm down a pair of socks. I'm down a pair of shoes. <laughs> we lost a lot of good men today, folks. Yeah. I carried on. Men. I carried on. I painted barefoot for the rest of the day. It was very artsy of me. And look, mate, yes, very artsy. Um, as the artsy one on the podcast, I, I fully approve. Um, and also, you know, big credit to you, Bardo, for, for when you get knocked down, you, you got right back up again. You did the full Chumba Wamba. And um, just yeah. like a bloke had had 15 beers, you, you got home without shoes on and covered in liquid. So, that's that's, that's something. <laughs> that's not yeah. nothing, you know? I'm really lucky where I live. There's a park just across the road. I live across the road from some wetlands. Mm. And it's great. It's a very beautiful location. I'm really lucky. But one of the great things about living across the road from parklands 
is if you if something like hap- like that happens to you where you accidentally fall off a ladder and put your foot into some wet paint and you start seeing the red mist, you can just go mm-hmm. across the road, say a quick fuck, 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 and then get it out of your system and come back and get on with painting. It's beautiful. You're yelling wow. into a void. Yeah, yes, you know, yes, which we all need. Everyone needs a void in their backyard, I think. So, yeah. any listeners out there in Bass and Dean who heard a man yelling obscenities in a park today, um, fear not. It's not your local addict. It is instead Chris Barty <laughs> out That's there right. covered in paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> seeing the red mist. Um, mate, I tell you a couple of other people who are seeing the red mist, but oh, and that's um largely the Australian and South African cricketing public following what was the single greenest pitch the world has ever seen. Uh, a match that was over in two days, but was a lot of fun, but was also over in two days. Uh, crazy, but it was a crazy what, game. It's what a Broadway audience would call a rollicking good time, oh. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was that. It was definitely rollicking. It was psycho, though. It didn't make any, like, by the last day, yeah. you know, what, what do we have, like, 30 or 40 to get? And it was like, geez, if it was any more than 40, we'd be cooked. Like- we would be cooked. And when you consider the last 15 runs were from extras, we're all whites, yeah. you know. Look, as a famous Muppet once said, it's not easy being green. But I would go as far as to say it's not easy to play on green. That is <laughs> the thing that we learned. It's also not easy to be Cameron green. Oh, out, wow, out, Chris. If you're out in the middle. Although... There is an exception to every rule, and in Cameron Green's case, there's about 3.5 million exceptions to Incredible, that rule. Huh? Mm. Like, what an IPL auction. That's so psycho, man. Like, I remember when um, Shane Watson went for a million dollars, and we were all like, whoa, a million dollar he does for a bloke who's all front pad. Um, <laughs> and, and and now Cameron Green, another all-rounder, going for 3.5, and Sammy Curran, the date, um, yeah. also- going for a whole swank of cash. So, yeah, lots of- Must be really- I don't know, man. Like, you know me. I don't really- um, I don't really watch too much 2020, but it must be getting increasing amounts of popularity from people who are not old school cricket nuffies like you and me. Well, I'll tell you what I did appreciate was that Sam Curran won player of the tournament, the T20 Men's World Cup recently. Mm. And I appreciate the logic follow that he was the highest paid player in the auction. That's That's track. That's nice. It's not always that these things make logical sense. Yeah. And it did on this occasion, which is glorious. (laughs) It's just something to celebrate, I think. In addition to the 3.75 million he's made. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's doing a lot of celebrating the the date over there. Um, Pal, speaking of English cricketers, we've got a bit of a, a condensed show today, let's say. Um, it's Christmas Eve when we're recording, ladies and gentlemen. It's Christmas Eve. And uh, tomorrow I've spent all day uh, glazing a ham and uh, setting a table and getting everything ready to roll for tomorrow. Um, and because of that, our correspondents are under more pressure than industrial diamonds. Uh, Chris, the good man, Goodrick, our South African, is somewhere in Southeast Asia. He's dropped off the map, but he sent me a little message that he'd like me to read out. So I'm going to do that later in the show. And we only have tapes in our hot hands from Adam Hassan, our Pakistan correspondent, and Tom K. Hawkey, our British correspondent, our UK correspondent. Now, 
But I, I, I would propose that we should listen to Adam first because in case you've been a regular listener, uh, you'll know that England and Pakistan have been playing a test series recently, but mm. And um, it's been pretty historic. On a scale from one to historic, it's been pretty historic. And I also cheekily, unusually, have listened to the start of Tom Hawkey's tape. And Bardo, it's very good. It's very good. It's very good. It's very funny. Uh, so I want to save that, if you don't right. mind, and, and start with some Adam. Beautiful. Love That's that. Love a bit of Adam. He always brings <laughs> a bit of common sense and yeah. insight to the program, which is yeah. sorely lacking from everybody else. So let's get it. <laughs> yeah, occasionally I have common sense moments. Oh, and we will also be doing, oh, no, we'll talk about, we've got another 11 for the people as well, but, but stay tuned for that. Let's, let's start with Adam Hassan, our Pakistan correspondent. Here he is with a tape for us. Yeah, look, uh, not a great series for us. I'm in Pakistan right now, actually. So I've been asking around, trying to get a sense of the general feeling here. And to be honest, a lot of the focus here has been on England and how well they played. But look, as much as England do deserve some credit, we really didn't play great. I mean, honestly, we should have won both of the first two tests. In the first test, we needed 84 to win with five wickets in hand and then lost five for nine. Ooh. And then in the second test, we needed 65 to win with five wickets in hand. And we lost that one as well. Yikes. Holding there, Adam. Yikes, Chris. Yikes. Yeah, that has collapsed. That's a series that, of collapses. That's a, Scotty Boland's a, collapses. A collapse. It is. It, a collapsy. Oh, a collapsy. Very good. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, no good from Adam. I don't like that for Pakistan. But also, Bazball, Bardo. Bazball. 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 Mm, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Now, I will say, to be fair, we did have a few injuries going around. Shaheen Shah Afridi still hasn't recovered from his knee injury. And on top of that, he got appendicitis and had to undergo surgery to have his appendix removed. What? So we were already without our star bowler. And then Naseem Shah and Harris Ralph both got injured during the first test and had to miss the rest of the series, which essentially left us with a second string bowling lineup. And then on the batting side, Azarali got injured during the first test and had to miss the second. And then Imam Al-Haq got injured during the second test and had to miss the third. So these injuries left us with quite an inexperienced squad. And we actually had six players making their debuts across the series, five of which were bowlers. Totally there, Adam. And I'm sorry to be this guy, Chris. And I, I wonder if you agree with me. Mm. But that sounds a lot like excuses to me, Bardo. Uh, did, what, how do you feel about that? Listen, Pat, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's an excuse, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I find that so funny? I really... I really like that, Chris. Very good. All right, Adam, what else have you got for us? And I mean, trying to win any test series with five bowlers on debut is hard enough. Yeah, that's true. Never mind against the relentless aggression of Basball. We did have a couple of debutants who really impressed, though. Firstly, Abar Ahmed, a young leg spinner who came in for the second test and took the first seven wickets of the match and continued to bowl excellently throughout the rest of the series. And then Sol Chakil, who came into bat in the middle order and averaged 58 across the series. Whoa. And then the final player I want to highlight on the other end of the spectrum is Azhar Ali, who announced his retirement from international cricket. Oh, wow. He actually started out as a leg spinner, and since his debut back in 2010, all the way through till now, 12 years later, he has never been dropped from the test squad. He ends his career as Pakistan's fifth highest test run scorer with 19 test centuries, and he is the only international cricketer to score 100 in a white ball game, 200 in a red ball game, and 300 in a pink ball game. So now, mm. finally, we can leave three months of cricket against England behind us, with their Kiwi coach and their Kiwi captain, and move on to a new block of cricket, this time against the actual Kiwi side itself. New Zealand are over here now for two tests and three ODIs, after which we'll have the PSL, 
and then New Zealand will be back for 5 T20s and 5 ODIs in preparation for the World Cup later this year. And look, I'm not even going to preview this test series. I've got no idea what to expect from a Pakistan side that's just been basbled. Shaheen and Ralph are still out injured though, so it's going to be tough. But let's just see what happens. Interesting. Thank you, Adam. Great to hear from you, bud. It does sound a little defeated, doesn't it, Chris? Look, um, if we were to- a little, de- little defeated, but I think it's going to be a great series against New Zealand for Pakistan uh, and, and New Zealand. I think it's just a, just a great competitive series coming up. I can see, I see that uh, Ish Sodi uh, has, has got a call up for the New Zealand squad there. So they're obviously adding yep. some depth to their spinning stocks. So preparing for a, a, their first subcontinent for, tour for a little while. So Look, if nothing else, great to see more cricket being played in Pakistan. And it was a highly entertaining series yeah. on both sides. Really looking forward to uh, hearing from Tom Hawkey in a moment because uh, there are a pair of English spinners uh, that performed very well mm. in the last uh, test match. Of course, uh, Re- uh, Rahan Ahmed and Jack Leach, of all yeah. people, uh, who yeah. is playing very well uh, in this calendar Mate. So lots of things going on. Yeah, Jack Leach is yeah, awesome. I, Frankly, I watched him bowl a bit, and I was like, "Bloody hell, what has happened here?" It was like turning him square. It was so yeah. Look, I don't. So I don't know necessarily that um, Pakistan are that bad. I just worry. I worry, Pat, that they've run into a red hot England side that's full of confidence, uh, because you know there's still plenty of good performances uh, for Pakistan, as was highlighted by by Adam there individually. Babar Azam still mm. making plenty of runs, uh, leading from the front. You know, yeah, he, I think he's sitting second in the world or something like that, maybe, uh, maybe third in the world in the ICC Test batting ranking. So plenty still to be positive from a Pakistan perspective. I think it's going to be a really competitive series against New Zealand, who haven't played in Pakistan for a little while. Uh, so we'll wait and see yeah. what that brings. And you know what else, Bardo? The, the Kiwis, mate, are chronically underrated. Like, I think for the, the T20 auction that just happened in the IPL, like hardly any Kiwi players sold. Like, it was very, very minimal. Mm. And I feel like they the people sleep on the Kiwis, you know? And I don't think you should. I think they're, uh, I think they've got a lot more chill well, than- the World Chess Champions, they are. Mate, World Chess Champions, they've won the ODI World Cup recently. Oh, that's right. No, they didn't. Um, but, you know, they're up there, baby. They're up there in and around it. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm hearing. Um, let's go to TK Hawkey, Chris. Let's go to the man, the myth, the legend, because this is this is some funny stuff. Let's just, uh, I'm not going to say anything. This is our English correspondent, Tom K. Hawkey. And afterwards we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two. Then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like... But I'm backing us to come back in this season <laughs> and take a 2-1. <laughs> I reckon we can take Basbull down. I reckon we can take Basbull down. <laughs> Hi there, Tom K. Hawkey here with your bulletin from a Brit. Yes, Adam, your prediction didn't quite pan out the way you'd hoped. But don't worry, you're not the only two-for-none correspondent to make a terrible call recently... Because I've decided to sing my bulletin this week. Oh. Hit six is just for fun. <laughs> or else rotate the strike. Try to hit our fastest ton. Bat wrong handed, if you like. We'll set some funky fields. And bowl with aggression. 
Scream every last appeal and get teams out in just two sessions. Baz, baz, ball, baz, baz, ball, baz, ball for the win. This is such an odd position for England to be in. Baz, baz, ball, baz, baz, ball, baz, ball is the best. Because finally this England team is actually winning tests. Oh, well done. That's a great ride, TK. Very good. Very good. Next year comes the Ashes, a series set to thrill. With the boundaries that will smash, we're sure to win 5-0. Stokes will lead the charge and attack with no concern. He'll break more Aussie hearts and then grab that tiny urn. Baz, baz, ball, baz, baz, ball, baz, ball all the way. Perhaps we'll beat every single team that we will ever play. Wow. Baz, baz, ball, baz, baz, ball, baz, ball does the trick. But because I am an Englishman, this boasting makes me sick. Because I am an Englishman, this boasting makes me sick. Merry Christmas, everybody. TK Hawkey. You are the guy. You are the absolute man. Bardo, we love we love seeing a correspondent report in in song format. We should make it the only legal way to do it. Yeah, look, a lot of joy there in Tom's voice. I prefer it when he's <laughs> I prefer it when he has a lump of coal in his stocking rather than a yeah. serious victory. Uh, but that's all right. A real spring in his step, so to that's speak. right. We can we can dampen his spirits. Come. June, July, or whenever it is, the ashes are on. You've got to give him a lot of credit, though, mate. Like, incredible cricket from the Poms, right? Like, honestly, yeah. Chris, pretty terrifying cricket. Like, they were scoring at seven and over in those, in like one of those games on, on absolute roads that were belting him. And then this young fella, Ran Ahmed, comes in and gets five for on debut. He gets, I think, he gets five for 48. Yeah. Um, against Pakistan in Pakistan and his dad's there, Chris, and his dad gives him a big old hug and his old man's just like stoked. His old man looks about the same age as us, Chris. Um, and like, honestly, I was looking at that bloke. He's a bloody handsome fella. I was like, fucking hell, what am I doing with my life? You know what I mean? Why haven't I produced a test match cricketer in this period of time that I've been alive? Hey, man. And you know who else is giving me nightmares? Who? Harry Brook. Harry Brook is Harry Brook. big- Old nightmares, big old nightmares. Three test centuries uh, in quick succession, just batting really, really nicely for a twenty-three-year-old. Yeah, you know exactly what the English team needed. Uh, they've got selection headaches. Oh, you know, yeah, crazy, crazy. But one of my favourite things about Harry Brook is his middle name. Oh, he has one of the great middle names. Okay, okay, I'm preparing myself, Chris. Hold on. All right, I'm ready. So his full name mm-hmm. is Harry Cherrington Brook. Oh, incredible. <laughs> Sherrington. What a name. This couldn't be more British if he tried, really, could he? Couldn't be more British. In fact, the less the least British thing about him is that he's making some runs. Hey. 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 Have, have a listen to this part. Hit Four me. test matches for mm. our mate Ches. Four <laughs> test matches. 480 runs with a high score of 153, an average of 80. Wow. 80. Wow. At a strike rate of 92. Mm. Now, his conversion rate is also ridiculous. Three centuries and 150. Fair to say it's been a fairly reasonable start there for Harry Sherrington Brook. 
Because, Bart, there's one thing the Poms have lacked um, of late. It's been quality top order bats, right? Like, they've yeah. really been in struggle streak uh, in the top. And honestly, in the middle, too. Their batting's been pretty frail. Um, Stokes has had to do the, the lion's share of the lifting. So, getting some young guys in who are in really great touch and playing with freedom and abandon, Bardo. Mm. On, on those decks, like, as Adam pointed out, lots of injuries to the frontline Pakistani attack. But um, still, you know, like, that's incredibly impressive. Mm. And, like, playing with the aggression that they're, they were playing with. And then seeing Jack Leach, like, turning him square. I was just, like, is, I, was, I found it very perplexing, Bardo. He is bowling uh, very, very well, Jack Leach. So, it's going to be really interesting. Really interesting. It's building nicely. Mm. It's coming to a simmer. So I'd say it's at a oh. simmer now, but it'll come to I'd a- I'd say it's a rolling boil. It'll come- Do you know who is adding extra spice to that pot, Chris, buddy? Jofra Archer, Ooh. my friend, is back in the nets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's looking very dangerous. That's going to be also an interesting selection headache when it comes to the pace battery for England. How are you going to squeeze yeah. everybody in, I wonder? Because Jimmy Anderson's still bowling reasonably well. So, especially in British conditions, especially in British conditions, that'd be a nice little way for him to retire. To should he? I don't want. I mean, I don't want to, you know, hey, call the curtain on him. But if he did want to retire, <laughs> if he did want to exit stage left, just a little. If he did want to be a full time podcaster, that would be a pretty good time to do it, wouldn't it? It would. Be. Unfortunately, mate, he's still bowling really well at forty. I mean, it's incredibly impressive. Yeah, look, he, he is bowling really, really well still. Um, and, and looks pretty good. Didn't didn't play a huge part uh, in uh, the series, but looks looks great. Looks really good, and I think he's going to cause mm. us plenty of headaches, along with the likes of uh, Ollie Robinson. Um, you know, Mark Wood is you know we always know he's been very yeah. workmanlike. Uh, ben Stokes yeah. has been doing a little bit more bowling as well, so yeah, they got plenty yes. of options. Impressive. It's really impressive stuff, Chris. Impressive and daunting, and it, and it does set the stage beautifully for the Ashes in June-July, which will be freaking radical, Bardo. We've got to go one year, mate. Well, it's not going to be this year, but we, one year we've got to go, Bardo. <laughs> At a point in time, yes. At a point in time, maybe it's what we do when we're retired, that we go and bloody watch the Ashes happen. I don't know. We'll get to yeah, do it for sounds good. dream. Big fella, would you like to introduce... Oh, no. Okay. We've got the 11s to come, but let's just quickly touch on this South Africa game that occurred up at the Gabba um, last week. Supposed to be a five-day test match. The first of three against South Africans, the one and two ranked test teams in the world. And it was a clatter of wickets over two days. An amazing 92 from Travis Head, especially in context. And then all of a sudden the game was over. Um, Scotty Boland taking multiple wickets in overs, ball ducking around all over the place. Mitchell Stark bowling an incredible ball to get his 300 wicket. My mm. God. Mm. What did you make of it, Butter? Well, uh, it was brief, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't long, Pat. It wasn't going <laughs> to wind. Look, but exciting, but very exciting cricket. I think there was a few things to take away. Uh, one was that both teams, pitch aside, both teams have very exciting mm. fast bowling attacks, uh, which you know, yeah. which is obvious to say because we both know the ferocity with which you know Cummins, Hazelwood, 
who didn't even play, by the way, Cummins, Stark, Boland, can bowl Boland. plus Cam Green, yeah. um, who didn't actually also didn't have the greatest uh, you know bowling spells of all time, and then we obviously have mm-hmm. you know you know your and Geedy, um, also uh, this new bloke um, whose name I can't pronounce, but uh, yeah, Norka. Norka, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, he looked immense as well. He looked really good. So rapid too, mate. So rapid. So rapido. Absolutely frightening. I think the thing that we we picked up was that South Africa's batting is uh, a little bit loose. So outside of yeah. Dean Elgar, it's hard to see where a lot of their runs are going to come, particularly if you're relying mm. on the likes of Temba Pavuma in the middle order and Carl Bahrain. Because uh, mm. as good as uh, some of these players are in the white ball format, and if I'm correct, I think you'll find that someone like Varane has a decent average in, in white ball cricket. I think he averages about 41, 42. Uh, right. We love to see that. So, yeah. you know, there's plenty of things going on. But just, uh, you know, the, the class of Australia's batting came through. And not so much our class. It's just that we had more tickets in the lottery. So... Uh, yeah, sure. You know, Travis Head, it was his time to shine. T- did a phenomenal job in the context of the game. Really won the game for Australia, given everything that yeah. transpired. We just had more tickets in the lottery. And I think that that's really what happened in, in the end. Uh, the commentary around the pitch, obviously, being uh, mm. you know as green as it was, uh, made for entertaining viewing, but maybe not a great spectacle from a, a traditionalist standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it was ducking and weaving and moving all over the place. Like, like I said, by the last day, you know, most of our runs came from bounces that went over the batter's head, over the keeper's head, and were one bounce fours. They were, it was pretty nuts. Also to see, Bardo, the number one and number two ranked batsmen in the world in Smith and Labuschagne, right? Mm. Who are, you know, awesome batters be undone by incredible balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> psycho gets stuffed balls. The same with that, like I say, that 300th wicket for Mitchell Stark, mate. The, the big hooping in the deck's back as well goes through the gate. was just, it was the stuff of poetry, but it was poetry in motion. Mm. Um, but do you know what else? I don't think it gives us much of an idea about how the second test, the Boxing Day test, no. start in two days, how that's actually going to go. You know, like, honestly, we've got no idea, really. No, that's right. It's going to be uh, again another lottery. We, we're not we're not really too sure about what's going to transpire. And if we consider also that the MCG over the last couple of years has been a bit of a road, mm. you know, and it's been a bit a little bit more of a batsman's uh, batsman's paradise. So how's with that- the exception of last year, I guess, with Scotty Bowling getting six for seven, that's build a man a statue. That's true. I think that had a little bit more to do with the batsman than the conditions, though. Good point. Yes, at the time, point. because we now know that they are on top of on top of the world, uh, but it'll be really, really interesting. And if you think about someone like uh, Van der Dusen, who again is another one of the South African batsmen who's really strong in the white ball yeah. game, uh, Van der Dusen Pat averages uh, sixty nine nice. uh, from his thirty eight one day international matches, which is a ridiculous average uh, at a strike rate of uh, almost ninety. Wow! So a flatter wicket. A flatter wicket, which does a little bit more, might suit someone mm. like Van der Dessen, uh, who probably come in at about uh, first drop. Yeah. It'll give 
uh, Elgar, someone to bat with. South Africa get some runs on the board. Someone like Temba Bavuma, who can bat, you know, is a very solid batsman, has a lot of respect within the group. All of a sudden, South Africa put some runs on the board, and then Ngidi, Norka, and uh, Rabada have something to bowl at. And who knows what happens from there. If those guys get a roll on, then all of a sudden we've got a stew cooking, we've got a great game and the Australian batsmen are going to have to be on their toes. So it could very much, I don't think it will be, I think, it'll, I think it will be an Australian victory, but it could be. I wouldn't be surprised, Pat, if it's one all at the end of the Melbourne Test match. Interesting, Bardo. Interesting. What a prediction, folks. We haven't had a prediction on the pod for a little while and it's great to have one back. Um, Bardo, you went on that. Dean Elgar went for three and a two in that in that first game. So if, if Elgar gets going, I reckon they've got a bloody shot and a half. They've got a shot in three quarters. And I really hope they play Scotty Boland, Bardo. I really hope they play him. Don't get me wrong. We all love Josh Hazelwood. No one out here is saying that Josh Hazelwood is a bad bowler and should be out of the team. Josh Hazelwood is a great bowler. He's brilliant. He's wonderful. But Scotty Boland, Scotty Boland, Bardo, build the man a statue. He's just such a great guy. <laughs> Yeah, can we play him because he's a great bloke? <laughs> oh, I think you can. I think I think that certainly comes into it. You know, cricket is a game of characters, Pat, and, and uh, you know Scotty Boland is certainly one of them. He's getting people through the turnstiles. Oh, and who would have thought beating both edges of the bat? Beating both edges of the bat. People just love the guy because he can uh, land it on a hanky. I don't know how many times the television television coverage. Mate, whipped out this myth- mythical hanky that they kept talking about. But wherever it, wherever it is. Scotty Boland just has a vendetta against this piece of cloth. I wonder if he's got a psychic link, Bardo, with his piece of cloth that, you know, maybe it and him were both touched by the same radioactive material and that's how we can always find it regardless of conditions. Because it, it, honestly, like his like heat map of where the ball was passing the stumps was maybe four centimetres up and three centimetres across from the top of off and it was white hot, Bardo. White hot. White hot, baby. White hot. <laughs> Yeah, look, if it was up to Scotty Boland, everyone would have a runny nose, mate, because that guy keeps hitting hankies. Hey! There he is, folks. There he is. He's had a big day at the office, but he can still whip out a dinner phrase. Um, Hey, Bardo, Mm. what is your 11 you've got for us today? What's your 11 challenge you've got for us? Well, Pat, so my my 11, I'm not going to lie, I nearly gave up up on it (laughs) midweek. However, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. So just on the off chance we do have a regular listener, I thought, you know what, for the regular listener, I'm going to really put in some effort this week. For the flock, Bardo, for the flock. For the flock, for the flock. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the great political philosopher, Mm -hmm. Thomas Hobbes, uh, Uh his most famous phrase is to say that uh, life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And I thought that that was actually a very apt description for any poor old batsman that had to face up to any of the battery of fast bowlers mm. at the Gabba Test match. So, solitary, nasty, brutish and short described to me the innings of each of the batsmen in the Gabba Test match. So, I thought, well, that's pretty funny. How can we extend that out to 11? So, I've gone for my 11 philosophers. Wow. So a cricket 11 made up entirely of history's great philosophers. <laughs> and I've got to be honest, this could go sideways because I have some understanding of, you know, yeah. some philosophers throughout history. Yeah. But I'm not going to say that I'm profoundly across all of them. 
And there was some Googling to help me to pad this out. So please, Chris, if anyone out there, if any of the flock have a better idea, <laughs> you know, for a Philosopher's 11, we are really into it. Please hit us up on Facebook. Yeah. Is this is sort and- of the intellectual end that we really want to bring to the show, Chris. You know, it's, we're not just two dumb, sweet high school boys who are sitting here now as 35-year-old men looking up philosophers that might fit into a cricket team. No, it's an intellectual show. <laughs> trying to expand our consciousness, expand our minds. You know what I mean? Whatever you say, mate. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get started, Butter. Who's opening the batting for you in your first okay. 11? So, opening the batting, <laughs> I feel like I actually started quite strong here. Okay, great. O- opening the batting, I've got a pair of existentialists. Oh. I've got Jean-Paul Sartre. Mm. All right. So, Jean-Paul Sartre's famous thing is that he says, um, existence precedes essence, oh. which is basically you're born and then you make your own life so it's you know it's a determinist right so i kind of like that for an opening batter because you know you go out there nothing's foretold you're out there you're opening the innings and whatever you make you know you make your own luck yeah as they say yes i kind of like that attitude for an opening batter you know you don't want to go out there with any kind of foregone conclusions about what's going to happen so i thought an existentialist opening the batting was a good good idea (laughs) (laughs) i love it Keep going. His opening partner mm. is also an existentialist and a little bit punchy, a little oh, bit controversial, yeah. uh, sort of in that David Warner mold. Uh, also because they both had, well, Warner has a moustache and this guy's famous for his moustache uh, mm. and that's Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah, okay. And we're for Nietzsche because obviously one of Nietzsche's famous things is the Ubermensch uh, and the Ubermensch oh. being... And again, please, I mean, no, actually do at me because if you can explain this better than I can, I think you owe it to, to people to, you know, benefit from your wisdom. Ginger Snap production, Ginger Snap Sydney at gmail.com, folks. Get on it. Yeah. So for all the Uber mentions out there, the basic understanding from what I from what I kind of can gather is when you go out there and you have your struggles, you know, you embrace mm. your struggles, you embrace your struggles. And it's through embracing those struggles and overcoming those struggles that you become the best version of yourself, the, yeah. the Uber match. Wow. And so I kind of thought for an opening batsman, you know, a bit of short pitch bowling, a couple in the ribs, having a duck out, you know, getting a new ball, yeah. having a deal with a grassy pitch on day one, the first morning. I thought, yeah, you want a, a bit of nature to open the batting. Goes all right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, he's a pretty punchy yeah. bloke, yeah. too. He's got some opinions, all right? He's, he's on the front foot. So I like that. Yeah, great. Now, for our third player, I've gone to the Stoics, mm-hmm. right? Oh, gone for a bit of yeah, Stoicism. Good idea, Chris. And I've gone for yeah. for the greatest Stoic of them all, uh, Marcus Aurelius. Uh, of course, med- yeah, med- wow. Meditations, for those of you that have read Meditations. or What a fantastic number three, Chris. You know, just given his performance in Gladiator, he could really take a few balls in the rear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a leader of men, right? <laughs> the leader of men. So the thing I like about the thing I like about Marcus Aurelius at number three is essentially the Stoics kind of try to ex- understand things as they are and just kind of accept things mm. as they are and and get on not as they would like them to be right and just kind of get on with it like it, it, wherever you find yourself that's where you are and they have this phrase which is you know get active in your own rescue 
And I thought to myself, that's pretty good quality for a number three because a number three could come in at any time. A number three could come in after a 100-run partnership and everything's cushy and everything's going really well. Or Mm. a number three could come in on a grassy wicket on a you know on yeah. a green monster like we saw at the Gabba Ooh. when it's one for none after like two balls yeah. and you just need someone to dig in and get on with it and not shy away from the work and I think that a stoic would be a great person to have in that scenario. Yeah, I buy it. Um, also, buy it. Marx really has one has a really good quote uh, which I didn't write down, so I'm going to paraphrase it here, which is essentially about you know not staying not staying warm and staying under the covers. You're actually made to get out of bed and get on with it. So I like that. So we're good with that. Chris, you've done so much more research on this than I have, uh, and I'm really impressed. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, even if you've got all of this wrong, I'm 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 riveted. So please continue. All right, cool. So coming in at number four, I've gone back to the ancient ancient Greeks with this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gone with Plato coming oh, in yeah. at the second yep. drop. So I've got Plato. So th- essentially, there was a, 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 a couple of inspirations here for Plato. One was because Plato wrote about thirty six books which is just a prolific number of books. Yeah. And yeah, I you can hit hundreds like he writes books, mate. It'd be rock and roll. That's right. And I thought, you know what? You know who else is, is quite prolific and comes in at number four? I thought Steve Smith. Oh, yes. Right. Interesting comparison. And the thing about Smith is that Smith's obviously very unique, right? He's got a very unique way of going about mm. it. He does the fidgety thing. He touches the pads. He touches the wristband, the elbows, the da da But what he does is he knows himself. He knows his game. And Plato's oh, big thing wow. is know yourself, right? Know thyself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, right. We all saw that in The Matrix. <laughs> Great film. Great film. Uh, did you say Revelations? I haven't seen Revelations yet, though. No, I don't want to waste my time. Yeah, I, I don't want to feel sad. <laughs> but know yourself. So he's not listening to other people, yeah, telling yeah. him about how he should bat or what his technique should be. He knows yeah, himself. Yes. He knows his game. Yes. He scores lots of run rights, lots of books. So that's what we want about. Then coming in at number five, I thought mm-hmm. forming, I kind of went back and forth here. Initially, I thought, ah, oh, do I go Socrates? Because Socrates and Plato had a, had a great partnership. Sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, but then I went for another ancient Greek philosopher, kind of that same sort of big three ilk. And I went for Aristotle. Okay. Uh, the reason I went for Aristotle is because Aristotle is famous for this concept of the golden mean. Uh, which uh, the golden mean is a, is essentially uh, the happy medium. And I thought, what's more medium than coming in the middle of the middle order? There <laughs> <laughs> being a middle order bat. Yeah, that strikes me, Chris. I can dig that. Yeah. And he's also pretty famous, Aristotle, for his exploration of friendship. And so I thought, well, you know, if you want, if you need someone to build a partnership with, if you need Mike someone Hussie. to build a partnership with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Aristotle, you know, he's, he's, he's worked with a lot of people. He's, he loves a bit of he loves a bit of uh, friendship, and he's the the man the man with the gold mean. So middle of the middle order. Thank you very much. People do call him the Michael Hussey of philosophy. Um, it's a little known fact that he actually did have that on his tombstone. Right, so right. Deal with it. Mm, interesting. There you go. Anyway, All right. <laughs> number six. Now number six. I've gone a slightly different direction here, but I've gone for I've sort of been mm-hmm. inspired by a counterattacking batsman. Right, coming in number six. Sure. Uh, and so I've gone for John Maynard Keynes. Oh, who you may know, listeners may know uh, as the founder of Keynesian Economics. Yes, yes. Right? More about that Keynesian Economics. And so Keynesian Economics, again, I am, I am going the really short route here, but essentially Keynesian e- Economics, it says in periods of great economic downturn, actually, rather than doing some austerity measures, 
we should spend up big in order to stimulate the economy. So it's, it's kind of mm. counterintuitive. And I was inspired here by like your Travis Heads. When you come in, the chips are down, oh. and you're like, man, you really yes. actually just need to dig in here for a bit. Um, you know, see, <laughs> yeah. see a few out, get a few balls on Willow before we start playing some shots. But Travis Head doesn't do that. He's just like, no. you know what, the wicket, the, we're a few wickets down here. We're in a recession. I'm just going to play some shots. I'm just going to spend I up I love here. that, Chris. I think that's very smart. I think that's very good. So, yep. John Maynard Kane comes in at number six for me. Number seven, Pat, is mm-hmm. our wicketkeeper. Now, for a wicketkeeper, I've gone for a real piss ant, otherwise known as uh-huh. Emmanuel Kant. Oh, very good. Very. Re- I will say I took a lot of inspiration from my 11 from the Monty Python Philosopher's Song. It is my basis of all philosophy knowledge. Very good. Um, and the reason I went for Emmanuel Kant behind the stumps was... Uh, a couple of things. One, because Emmanuel Kant was uh, known for being very social, very chatty fellow. You know, loved mm-hmm, a bit of mm-hmm. loved a bit of uh, conversation, loved a dinner party, loved to have a you know a bit of a chat. Uh, and I think you know you just you'd like that behind the stumps. You like that behind the stumps. But the other I thing I liked that. about Emmanuel Kant behind the stumps is that he was very much concerned with playing the right way. And your mm-hmm. else was concerned with playing the right way and was also a little, a little bit chatty behind the stumps. Uh, Tim Payne. Uh, True. And I also thought, yeah. you know what, you know who else was a bit of a good bloke, uh, was around for being a good bloke and playing the right way and was, you know, a little bit chatty, uh, a little bit of a character, and that was Brendan McCullum. So I thought a couple of wicketkeepers. Kumar Sangakara, Bardo. Kumar, Kumar Sangakara. Yeah. Great bloke. Yeah. Great chat too. Yeah, a bit of Richard Pant maybe too. So I think- uh, Richard Pant, yeah, great. I think Emmanuel Kant makes a great wicketkeeper. Yeah. Now, bowlers. So we get into, we get into, I know you struggled with your spinner. Yeah, we get we get into we get into this. And spinners was was pretty tough. Uh because the thing with spinners, when I try and pick a spinners for these eleven, I try to think of people that kind of maybe change a bit of direction and maybe are a little bit deceptive, um, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And looking at this now, maybe I could have switched some things around, but that's all right. I wrote it down on paper, it's immovable. I've gone for <laughs> You can't change paper, Bardo. Famously, you can't change it. You can't change paper. So I've gone for Descartes as my spinner. Oh. Mm. And the reason why I've gone for Descartes is because Descartes famous for this concept of um, the method of doubts. Uh, and so oh. I like the idea of him putting doubts in the batsman's mind. Um, oh, yes, Chris. That's brilliant. Yeah. Even though I'm definitely uh, misappropriating the concept of method of doubts there, but that's fine. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's my level. We have made it very clear we're not philosophy majors here, Chris. We're expanding our universe. We're cricket boys just reaching out on that philosophy train. That's no, right. That's right. And the other thing about Descartes, mate, is that he has this thing where he likes to take big problems and break them down into smaller ones. And I could just oh, I love that. see Descartes being the type of bowler who's like, you know what? I don't mm. have to take a wicket with every ball. I can get three or four balls in the right spot and build yeah, up a bit of settle. pressure and yeah. then I'll get one that spins the other way, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I really like that, that, you know, the method of doubts, the big problems and the small problems, get one yeah. going the other way. You know, he, he, he builds up to a wicket. So I like that. Uh, then we get right. into the pace attack. Um, and so, leading yeah. the pace attack, I've got Machiavelli. Oh, far out, Chris. Okay. Yeah, no, good call, though. Uh, and simply because <laughs> when I was doing a bit of uh, thinking about Machiavelli and I was, you know, watching some YouTube videos and things like that to find little nuggets to use, the phrase came up um, that a prince should always err on the side of terror. Um, wow. And I yes. just thought, yeah. Great fast bowler, mate. I thought, Great you know, fast bowler. I thought 
look, not that I don't know Brett Lee from a bar or so, but he's a good-looking cat. Uh, and he, you know, certainly earned on the side of terror with his bowling. And so I thought, you know, mm. that's that's really who I want. That's who I want um, getting a bit of terror into the, into my batsman. Uh, next in at number ten, yeah, uh, we've got Thomas Hobbs, of course, um, who is the inspiration for this whole thing. And I really like the idea of Thomas Hobbs yes. with having some nasty, brutish, and short bowling. I don't think body lines are not a problem <laughs> for this guy. You know, he's he's all good. So that's that's all good. Um, Very good. And then I will. I'll be honest with you, Pat. When I got to number eleven, I started to struggle a little, little bit. Um, <laughs> But I did go with yeah. the um, very old philosopher called Augustine, uh, who is uh-huh. the guy who came up with the concept of original sin. <laughs> okay. Uh, and as I understand original sin, it's essentially saying that, look, he kind of goes against the advice of our opening batsman, which is essentially, you know, if we think about Sartre being existence precedes essence, Augustine mm. kind of says, well, you know, man, like there's certain things that you just can't help because they're, in, they're you, you know, it's inherent. Like you can't mm. help that some of the bad things that happened in your life or some of your own shortcomings because you had nothing to do with them. They were they out, outside of your own control and that the inherent sin essentially comes from, uh, you know, Adam and Eve. Now that- right, okay. So how's that going to help you as a pace bowler? That's a really bad, really, really bad description of the original sin. So I encourage people to kind of do their own research on that one. But I, yeah. I did kind of like this idea of uh, a number 11 uh, bowler who's just like, well, look, I'm not a great batsman, but that's kind of inherent. So what did you expect? Sure. And also the, this idea that, you know, he just he just feels really hard done by, but ultimately forget- <laughs> As a number 11, Chris, I also feel very hard done by a lot of the time. Yeah, you, I, I resonate with that. You know, but also just accepts it because yeah. every time the umpire gives a bad decision, you know, Augustine's just like, well, look, it's not your fault. It's just the way you're made. Yeah. So, well done, that's Chris. my 11. Well done. Bit of a marathon. Took a lot longer than I thought to actually work through that, but it's very well, complex, very meaty are- topic. A very meaty topic, mate, and you actually did a lot of research, which is more than we can say about me. I sort of just um, spoke to my mum, Susie Cullen, what a legend, uh, and my mum studied philosophy and sort of my mum was just trying to give me philosophy-based jokes uh, that would kind of work in a cricket 11. So none of these are well thought through. This is all um, nonsense, but I think it's quite fun. So in, in coming up against you, Chris, uh, my philosopher's 11, I've got Plato opening the batting. Nice. Plato's coming in at number one for me. And he's coming in number one because he's all about hierarchy, Chris. And if he was in a side, he'd be the kind of bloke that even if he was getting nothing but edges, um, he'd put himself as the opening batsman anyway, because he would just always want to be number one. He'd face first ball, he might get out first ball. Uh, opening the batting with him uh, is uh, John Stuart Mill Ooh. of his own free will, because he's got free willing stroke play, Chris. Free willing stroke like play. I like that, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Real Usman Kawaja. Classy out there. Mm-hmm. Bit of a Mark War type, I could see John Stewart. Bit of a Mark War type. That's right. Uh, coming in number three, it's Pythagoras. <laughs> he knows all the angles. <laughs> he knows all the angles, buddy. He knows all the angles are. He can see them. He's got that whole that trigonometry. He, that's he can brain. work the gaps. He can work the gaps, baby. You know he can. Now, number four is a bit of a problem area. Chris, it's like the Indian batting lineup if you're talking to Jai Singh. Uh, in number four is Schrodinger. Um, he's really unsure about his um, off stump, especially when the lights are off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's not sure if it's there or not. 
Um, but, you know, he, he does hold up an end. Now, number five um, for me, uh, I've got two all-rounders in this cycle. Two all-rounders. Mm. Uh, number five is Hegel. Okay. Now, Hegel, he's, he's all about synthesis. Right. He's all about developing with time and moral improvement. Mm. And I just figured he'd be the kind of person who would have batted and bowled as a kid and has just taken that into his adult life and is just always seeking to get a little bit better. Maybe even a bit of a Mike Hussey type, honestly, that he's a bit of a Mr. Cricket, you know, that he's kind of like yeah. honest looking to improve. Someone that gets better with age. Getting better with age, that's right. In number six is Goethe. Now, Goethe's an all-rounder because uh, famously, way back in the day, he was loved by Christians and Muslims alike. He was loved by batsmen and bowlers alike, Chris. He was loved by both sides of the aisle. Um, he, he was really out there for everybody. Um, so, so that's, that's my thinking on that. He was all around. He was a whole round religion guy. Love it. You know, yeah. can tell how well researched I am. Beautiful. Behind the stumps is Peter Singer. Now he's got a, a lot of different interests out, Peter. Okay. Um, his priest, his principle of equal consideration of interests does not dictate equal treatment of those interests since different interests warrant different treatment. And I was thinking about different batsmen requiring different chat. You know, uh, you've got Virat Kohli there, right? He's, he's a bit of a different interest. You don't necessarily want to sledge that bloke. But maybe getting into David Warner, giving him a little bit of chat, could be really useful for you. It's just, you know what I mean? Picking your targets. Do you know who I would have liked for Peter Singer? A little bit different. I might have used him in the bowling attack. Someone like a Colin Miller who could bowl mediums mm. and who could bowl off Yes. Spin, you know? Yes. Just could, just would was, just would change things up depending on on what was required. But I, I like where you've gone as well. Thank you, thank you. Um, opening the bowling is Foucault, Michelle Foucault. You might remember Foucault's pendulum, Bardo. Well, there's nothing you want more than a pendulum opening the bowling, my friend. <laughs> He's just swinging. He's just swinging. <laughs> now, um, oh boy, uh, I actually had John Stuart Mill down there as my. Uh, as a spinner as well, and I don't think that's going to work. So I'm one short here. There's only ten men have turned up, and I've got the um the two uh, uh, existentialists that you mentioned, Barlow, opening opening the being my last two bowlers there. Um, you know, Sartre out there to make his own luck with the ball, and uh, Nietzsche I more saw just being with sheer heat and death stares. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Really burrowing in to the to the opposition. So sort of a um, sort of a God is dead. Now face my wrath. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. God is dead. Your God can't save me so you, now. pal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, your God can't save you now. Yeah, 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 exactly. And maybe just like, not necessarily a philosopher really, but an existentialist as well. Why not just throw like um, Beckett in there uh, as my final one? Just have a real absurdist existentialist God is dead <laughs> pace stack. He's my... My 12th man. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, so there you go, Pato. That was my... <laughs> no, I think that actually worked <laughs> out pretty well. I think we all learned a lot. It was we risky. Grew a lot. It was risky. And it was... <laughs> but I think it went okay. And we're we're probably going to get a lot of complaints. And that, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm, I'm excited no, about it. Like, what was your other choice, Chris, for doing an 11 this week? Uh, um, look, else? I'm going to lie. It got really hard through the middle of coming up with the Philosopher's Eleven. So at one point I was going to message you and just go, can we just do things that are green? <laughs> <laughs> Quick things that are green combined 11, Chris. Right. Who's open the batting for us? Uh, things things that, are that are green. All right, well, I think 
captaining the side has to be uh, and opening the batting, uh, Kermit the Frog, for me. <laughs> Got to be. Got to be. Got to because it's not easy being green. Not easy, it's being, not green. easy being green. It's not easy being captain. <laughs> it's not easy opening the batting. Lots of things not easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, opening the batting with Kermit, Chris, is radiation. Uh, I think <laughs> goo, <laughs> radioactive goo, um, famously green, uh, very destructive. So um, coming in with Kermit is radioactive goo. Number three, I'm going for grass, Pat. <laughs> I'm going for grass. Yeah, well, you can't go past it. Chris. Um, you can't go past it. It's everywhere. It's just everywhere. You know. Um, actually, no. <laughs> Can I change mine? Can I change mine? Please, um, please. I, I was go- I was on grass, but I'm actually going to go for weeds. Not w- mm. not as in marijuana, but just the plain garden variety weed. Simply because mm. they're really hard to get out. Oh, yeah, they're really difficult to get rid of, aren't they? Yeah, that's a bloke who's been renovating a property. Yeah. Uh, coming at number four, Chris is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm sticking with my radiation okay. theme. Yeah, very um, good. They've got those fighting skills. Donatello, particularly, I think, could really wield the willow. I think he'd take to that, like a uh, like a turtle to water. Okay, number four. Uh, well, if we're going superhero route, I'm going to go Green Lantern. Oh yeah! Wow. I think Green Lantern. You know, he he. I think his his stroke play would be quite imaginative. Yeah. Uh, especially given. Oh, incredibly! He's got that ring, which is all based around willpower and imagination. So, if you need someone to dig in. But also to have some stroke play, I think that's who you want. Bit of Hal Jordan. Yeah, bring him in. Bit of Hal Jordan. Uh, number, are we up to number five? We are. That was five, five then. Right. Yeah. Uh, number five, I think you want the trusty Coles bag, um, the the green uh, canvas bag. Um, it's trusty. It's reliable. <laughs> carry a heavy load. It can carry the weight of a whole team on its shoulders. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can't, you really, really can't go past it. You don't want to leave home without it. And that's true as well. Right. All right. Very good. Um, I, at number six, am going yeah. for, sorry, if we can edit this bit out while I do a quick check. Mike, cut this out. Green bank. Dollar. Uh, so I'm going to go for the green back. So number six, Pat, oh. I'm going for the greenback, which uh-huh. is the US dollar. Oh, wow, Chris. Wow. It has its ups and downs, but it's been a... St- it has its ups and downs, but has been a mainstay of the team. <laughs> very useful. Very useful. Very useful. Useful internationally too. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of roles that it can play. <laughs> number seven, Chris, I'm going for the VB label. Um, the green of the VB label there. I think it's just gratuitously Australian. Um, it could really take the gloves. I'm sure it would have a moustache if it could. And um, I think that's some key key requirements. It can catch everything. You know, it's always been there for you, the, the VB label. Yeah. Right. Very good. So that's... You. You, that, number eight, number spinner. Okay. So for our spinner, uh, I am going to go for mm. Oscar the Grouch. Real. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think Oscar the Grouch is a spinner, Chris? Well, I would have had him as a wicket keeper, but you had number seven. Um, oh, damn. Uh, no, look, here it is. I've got it. So, Oscar okay. the Grouch comes in at uh, number seven because he occasionally bowls a bit of junk. <laughs> Sorry, number eight because he occasionally bowls a bit of junk. Number eight bowls a bit of junk. Yeah, and look, junk gets wickets, but uh, we've junk all gets seen wickets. that happen. It gets wickets, mate. Yeah. Takes bowls. Yeah. Um, 
Number nine, Chris, opening the bowling for us um, is the Incredible Hulk. For just sheer obvious reasons. Mm. Um, I'd like to think that he hulks up when he walks onto the field and would just bowl Thunderbolts. Just bowl sheer unadulterated Thunderbolts. So um, great opening bowler, I think. Big unit. Love that. Love that. Next in, next part of the bowling attack, I am going for the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> what an opening partnership with the incredible Hulk, buddy. <laughs> yeah, just massive. And if I could have the last pick as well, please, Pat. Please, Chris, please, yeah. Coming at number 11, uh, it is part of any healthy team, Pat, to finish us off for the podcast, I'm going for broccoli. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Chris. You can't go past it. Reliable, delicious, um, good for you. Good for you. Mm, what do you want? Love it. What do you want? That's Scotty Boland in vegetable form, if I ever heard it. Um, Bardo, thanks so much for joining me, pal. I know we got Christmas to do tomorrow, so we've got things on our plate. I'm really excited about Boxing Day. I'm sure you are too. And um, yeah, man, thanks for taking the time. Really nice to speak to you. And I'll speak to you in two weeks. I'll speak to you in 2023. Holy moly. Holy moly. Great to talk to you, Pat. And thank you to our listeners for a magnificent 2022. Mm, Yeah. We appreciate every single one of you in the flock. You're the best. All right, Bardo. See you in the new year. Go those Aussies. Let's see Scotty Boland take some polls. Two for None is created and presented by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. The show is produced by Ginger Snap Productions and edited by Mike Wilcox. Correspondents in this episode were Adam Hassan and Tom K. Hawkey. Clips and music in this episode was Something Stupid, Frank and Nazi Sinatra 1967 Reprise Records, and of course the karaoke version of Jingle Bells by Sing King on YouTube. Good one, TK. The Two for None theme is written and produced by me. All clips and music used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Check out APRA.com.au for details. Our next episode will be out in two weeks. And in the meantime, like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, get on social, spread the word. Two for None is back for summer again. Thanks so much for everyone for listening to us this year. We love you all. Thanks for being members of the flock. We can't wait to do some with you in this coming year and beyond. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great Christmas, New Year's, holidays, and all the rest of it. And we'll see you in 2023. Oh, one more thing. God, those all things. God, those all things.